listening to the Nerds Assemble podcast. To episode 295 of the Nerds Assemble podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Paul. And I'm Paul, aka okay, Retroid. Uh, this week we were going to talk a little bit about what we've been up to, but not until after we come and we, it feels like we've come full circle here. Um, so, was it episode 283? I want to say that we were last talking about Aloy from. Somebody help me with the name of the game, even though I've been saying Horizon that. Zero Dawn. Horizon Zero Dawn, the heroine. Dawn, but that's a different one, isn't it? The heroine of Horizon yes. Zero Dawn. Um, just, uh, yeah, just having, yeah, it was 283. Um, so we last talked about Aloy of Horizon Zero Dawn back in episode 283. We're talking about her again because her lovely sequel's on the, its way. In fact, it it'll looks prob- nice. It does. It'll probably be out. Um, by the time this episode hits, because um, I think it's out, yeah, because it's out on the eighteenth of Feb. So, right. yeah, um, so it's, yeah, this Friday. Yeah, basically. So, well, we, we'll be out at the same time. Yeah, we're recording yeah. for then, obviously. Um, but yeah, so we talked about Aloy and like disparaging comments by certain sections of the gaming community. Mm. You, you can't appreciate a woman with a realistic figure. And then this week we've been treated to due to the cover designs and stuff for the game, where like you, you can see that Aloy has natural, normal facial hair, which as in like the small, tiny, the tiny faint, faint hairs, hairs that are out on like everybody's face. Yeah, like men and women have these very, very tiny hairs. I, I think. Aside from obviously most of the time, you know, the palms of your hands and the soles of your feet, hair covers a lot of uh, everybody's bodies. It just it's very tiny hairs a lot of the time in a lot of places. Yeah, um, it, it, it kind of comes from being a mammal. Yeah, you know, and and of course, real not an anime avatar. Yeah, which is probably what confuses a lot of these. Yeah, so the. There was this this tweet going around where somebody screen grabbed somebody's uh, comment about this somewhere, and it was yeah. just like screen grab, but from the a poster, what? a high fidelity poster. Yes, but I mean, um, obviously they, 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 they left off the um, the user name and like yeah, them, isn't it? so it basically somewhere in the ether somebody said this. Yeah, and it's just like the, the post being like. What's the guy saying? The post calling it out wasn't it something like, "Tell me you've never been with a woman, been out with a woman, or been friends with a woman." Yeah, or um, the one I saw it uh, pasted on was, you know, well, fair dues to this bloke for respecting the rules of the five hundred, you know, foot exclusion court order. Mm. Now, the one that I saw, uh, which drew me to it, was, uh, "Tell me you've never been up close to a woman without telling me you've never been up close to a woman." (laughs) I mean, both work. No, yeah. This dude will go first. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah. Basically, I think if you're going to have higher and higher fidelity graphics, yeah. you kind of need to expect that uh, things aren't going to be all shiny and, like, you know, uh, I suppose super real in some respects. I mean, I mean, having that hair there is... Or is it hyper-real? It's quite hyper-real to have that there. Mind you, I mean, I, I, I struggle when we start talking about concepts like hyper-real and stuff because then um, Inverto Eco starts echoing through my head because there's hyper-real and there's hyper-real. <laughs> Sorry, did you say that there's hyper-real and then there's hyper-real? Well, you've one's Inverto Eco's theory, one's the word taken completely out of context, almost in like a really postmodern way, um, and, and twisted Whoa. around. <laughs> There's no need to get meta with a academic theory uh, this late at night. It's the different metaverse. Oh, God. <clears throat> um, have you heard about Facebook losing value? I say Facebook, meta losing value because of all its bullshit. It's hilarious. Um, but we're not here to talk about the uh, financial uh, implications for evil incarnate. Um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. So I just, I just, it just, it was just hilarious that you've, you've got obviously this one person who just hasn't been close enough to people, or whether been cl- I mean, close enough to anyone to just kind of like observe, even in like a friendly capacity. Like I don't know if I should feel sorry for them or not. I, I think that um, like it is a bit sad that they seem to think this, and it shows that they seem to be woefully inexperienced in life. I mean, it's, to be honest, it, it's kind of one of those things where it's kind of going into kind of gender in a, in a, in a really kind of weird kind of way, in the sense of like, right, these these tiny hairs, um, supposedly like a beard, and then that yeah. makes them, it's, it's just like, I mean, it is worth pointing out, unfortunately, for some women dealing with hormonal issues and stuff, that they can get what looks like yeah. far more masculine um, facial hair. Um, and when I say hormonal issues, I'm talking things from like um, polycystic ovary syndrome to, I'm not sure thyroid stuff can mess with it, it possibly can. I'm pretty sure it can. Yeah, and certainly um, things can get interesting around the menopause or pre menopause, perimenopause, mm-hmm. and. Um, also, like, obviously, because if a woman loses, like, her reproductive organs because she has mm. to have a hysterectomy, like, a full hysterectomy, like, uh, hormone control for stuff around hair and that can get a little interesting too. So, like, yeah. it, it can happen, but what Aloy's got there is just the normal, I want to say downy um, kind of, like, sort of, white sort of hair. Sort as yeah. <laughs> That, as, you know, as one term for it. Yeah, as, as people tend to have around there if they don't have an actual actual beard, you know. So, like, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've hugged plenty of women and they, they all have this, you know, kind of hair up there around their cheekbones, the size of their face. Um, don't know what to tell people who don't believe that's true, but, like... Well, I mean, I would say, you know, kind of go go look for yourself <laughs> type thing, but 
Um, Not too closely and don't uh, stand. Uh, only to people who are consenting to this entire thing. Yes, I think. Yes, I definitely. think just maybe just tr- trust the people who've got the kinds of faces that uh, we're talking about here to say, yeah, they're, they're, there's usually some you know very light hairs there. Anyway, moving on from that, moving along uh, from Aloy's face, and if you are this this and you have bought the game. Um, I, I hope it's good. I still need to finish the first one, but I hope you enjoy the, the sequel. I'll, I'll, can I just interject on something which is really annoying at the moment with it? Sure, sure. It's the absolute nonsense at the moment that it's yet another game that Sony have been you know, kind of shamed into offering an upgrade. You know, uh, PS4 to PS5 version, the kind of thing that um, you know Microsoft um, you know said with their smart delivery thing, which everyone was just kind of side eyeing, and it's just mm. why are you making such a big deal of it? And then it kind of becomes clear if you're a new PS5 owner, because we've we've bought Forbidden West uh, digitally, yeah, but you can buy the PS4 version and it's. Fifty nine ninety nine, or you can buy the um, you know PS five version for sixty nine ninety nine, but you can get the PS five version with the PS four version because they're offering the free upgrade. So as kind of the you know that's uh, the mad system that's going on with. You know uh, the PS5. We've got the PS4 version pre-downloaded, so you know you can preload it like you can with you know a lot of uh, pre-release you know games that are coming out you know the same week. But we're going to have to wait until launch day to download the PS5 version, hmm. even though it's 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 included with the PS4 version. But Sony have also said that this is the last game that they will be doing that for. All others will have a ten dollar upgrade uh, thing, which is <sighs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a very silly system, and I do wish they'd just pull their finger out about it. it... Yeah, it deters. It's a. I I want to buy these, but you're you're not making me feel good about it. I, mean, I was pretty happy with like the upgrade for Death Stranding being only about a fiver, but um, wasn't there like um, well, there was a fair extra, amount of content well, added? Well, I mean, I haven't got into the meat of the director's cut stuff, but I mean, the graphics upgrade alone was <laughs> pretty worth it. Um, not that I'm usually that fussed about graphics, but like, I could, it looks very pretty on a PS5. Um, but anyway, talk about bit that bit more in a bit. Paul, what have you been up to? Okay, well, uh, yesterday we watched uh, The King's Man, which is the kind of uh, prequel by quite a shot to The Kingsman. And the second film as well. Which, uh, what was the second film called? Pick Kingsman? It's not Secret Service. No. Golden Circle? Something. Golden Circle? Second one was all the, the cowboyness going on, wasn't yes, it? yeah, in America. Um, but yeah, yeah, we actually um quite enjoyed um The King's Man. Uh, it set, um, yeah, Golden Circle, yeah, uh, it set 
like around World War One, and me, I'm not particularly a history buff, but I was still like, ah, Archduke Ferdinand. <laughs> um, oh, oh, this is interesting. Oh, this is interesting. Ah, okay. So it's, it's it's kind of like an alternate history, but not quite. It's it can still follow yeah. on from the main history. It, it, the, main, it, the main history, obviously, you know. It, pre- it it presents an alternative uh, take as to the source of much of the twentieth century's uh, woes. Mm. Apparently, it's an angry Scotsman. Apparently. Apparently. Yeah. Apparently. Uh, I I mean. I thought it was a it was kind of interesting compared to watching it compared to the previous ones because there weren't really gadgets but really necessarily much of a thing for it because it was it had there's there's a couple of gadgets but it wasn't as big a deal yeah. as the you know no, first no, that, two that's true that is true current timeline yeah, yeah. I mean the current films. yeah yeah those, those two were slightly like Bond but more brutal. Mm. Well, in some respects, I mean, this film was also brutal in its own yeah. ways, and we can't spoil stuff, but it was certainly brutal in its own ways. If you're not interested in watching a comic book movie slash espionage type film that also happens to feature battle scenes from a uh, World War One, like you might want to give it a miss. Just saying, but otherwise, mm. you might. And the, I mean, there was a couple of um, twists in it that, you know, we didn't see coming, which is actually quite nice. Um, but yeah, overall, quite a, you know, kind of good action romp flick. Yeah, I think it did, a, it had a disservice. Cause, okay, it got pushed back for its original release date, which I think was meant to be around um, February sort of Valentine's last year in, in 2021. And the uh, release date got pushed back to uh, December last year. Um, like the, it, it, and it, this is like the level of service to the extent of what trailers were around it, certainly in our local cinema, um, had that original release date on it, not the new Christmassy one. Um, and obviously, Christmas last year, 2021, was pretty brutal on account of the fact that you had Spider Man come out, um, yeah. and then also Matrix Resurrections, and then obviously the, the Kingsman. And so, yeah, because we were kind of umming about going to see The Kingsman because we were like, oh, yeah, I want to see it. Uh, and then kind of by the time it kind of came out, it was like, well, you know, we've literally just been to see uh, Spider-Man and we've just gone to see uh, Matrix and whatnot. And uh, it's like it's, it's a bit, you know, too much kind of happening. Um, so we kind of left it for a bit uh, and then it kind of arrived on Disney Plus the other week. Well, at least we logged on to Disney yeah. Plus for the first time in like a couple of weeks, and we noticed that it appeared on yeah. there. So, so quite, quite fast. You, you know what else is also on Disney Plus? Oh, God. <laughs> Bingo card. <laughs> Blobby. Bad Batch is good. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, that's, that's my bingo card. It's got almost a full house. What, just with that I one? I have to, you, you yeah. know. Very small bingo card. Yep. <laughs> um, oh, but we also did watch. Um, not that we necessarily need to talk about it in depth. I bet we, we must have talked about it sometime on this show. What's that? Face off. So that's how we. Oh, le- yes, this yeah. is how we found out that the Kingsman was on. So we went to go looking for Face Off uh, on Friday, and I just happened to spot that in like new stuff that like 
Kingsman was there. We were introducing um, Emily's little brother to it. To 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 to, to face off, um, yeah. but also like Nicolas Cage films. Um, so, and the, the one thing um, that I've uh, realised about Face Off is that not only is it like a gener- uh, general action film um, and kind of a 90s one, and you know, um, but it's also technically a body swap movie. Yeah. 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 That, that, that kind of whole genre, well, subgenre of sci fi, body swaps. Freaky Friday. Mm hmm. Freaky, yeah, which is an even more recent one. Um, oh, what I thought was interesting because I was like checking out some facts and stuff because I got kept getting questions from my brother, uh, and, and my and my brother was watching all this as well. And it was just kind of like, oh, it looks like the film was originally like a full on science fiction film set in like the future or something. Um, and then basically, they got John. They signed up John Woo to direct, and he wouldn't direct a film that was like full on sci fi. So they had to partially rewrite the script to set it back in the present day of sort of, you know, like mid 90s, basically. Um, so, yeah, so like the tech ends up obviously being quite sci fi, but then the setting mm. ends up being very 90s. Um, can I just say, though, that having like John Travolta play being a character being played by Nicolas Cage, but not like the, the, the <laughs> levels of characterception yeah. that happen in that film are perhaps far more than you would get in many other body swap movies, especially on account. It's, it's basically oh, yeah. on account of the fact that because Nicolas Cage is involved. Yeah. And the way he tends to sort of present characters is pretty full on. Mm. Let's face it. Um, there aren't really many actors like him in that regard, are there? He he can do. He's definitely one of kind. I don't, I don't know what to <laughs> say. How what words to quite use for his style because it's quite definitely eccentric. It, yeah, it's eccentric. It's eclectic. It's bizarre at times, um, and 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 kind of well. In a way, I mean, you say sometimes it does get quite unhinged, and certainly in face off, it certainly gets quite unhinged. Um, and can we just talk a moment briefly for the face touching thing in face off? <laughs> I, I still have yet to figure out what sources, maybe you know, dear listeners, but um, like one of the things that I, I had never because I've seen the film a couple of times before, um, but one of the things I'd never really re- noticed before was just how much whatever. Archer, which was John Travolta's character, who's meant to look like John Travolta, um, was doing like he 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 had this whole face touchy thing, um, which he then took to his um, what was Nicholas Cage's character's name? I can't remember. Uh, Castor Troy. Castor Troy. Like obviously, then took to Castor Troy is like trying to restrain himself from putting his hand all over people's face. Like what? I get the film is called Face Off, but this whole weird mannerism thing that it looks suspiciously. Like Travolta introduced rather than it being something that either Wu or the script called for. It was, yeah. It, I suppose it's a, it, it's, it's a way of making Archer's character more memorable because he is incredibly straight laced most, most of the time. It, and it, 
well, you, you know, in, until, like, until yeah. he has to pretend to be crazy or you've got John Travolta pretending to be normal but crazy. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, God. Well, well, I know you've been up for a couple of things. Yes. Uh, so more D&D um, services. Does that say services? No, sessions. Sessions. Ah, yes. Uh, so done more D&D sessions. Let's see what's happening. Uh, oh, so the chase mechanics, Matt. Yeah. The well, chase mechanics thing. All right. Jeez. <sighs> that, that, the first time that I've ra- ran it, yes, it wasn't didn't go absolutely peachy. I'm so sorry about that. There. Yeah. But, yeah, basically um, adapted chase mechanics. Um, so you get a certain amount of kind of goes of dashing, which kind of doubles your regular walking speed. Um, and they... Uh, the characters were being chased by guards um, who obviously also had to adhere to this mechanic. And um, like uh, after so such a kind of length and they would encounter, you know, kind of a, an issue that could kind of slow them down uh, or at times actually hurt them. So... Uh, the glass. Li- Sorry? The glass. The, yes. So... Um, uh, during the chase, a comic scene where uh, two men were carrying just a pane of glass out into the street. Like, like you see in many a film or TV series. Um, and two, uh, one character slid underneath it, absolutely fine. Another character, well, that, your character, yep. uh, jump, leapt over it, like the you know, billion-dollar man. I mean, she's a satyr. Yeah, she's got... She's got some good jumping ability. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, those two characters that just went, ah, and then smashed right through it, <laughs> taking damage and, and losing speed. Yep. Which is quite fun. Yeah. Um, and then you uh, encountered two crabs, having a- which is part of an ongoing joke, an in-joke, in- um, that had knives. Yes. And they basically managed to slash a load of the guards, reducing their speed as well. But we, we dodged around them safely. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a crowd of um, halfling school children. Yes. <laughs> that you decided to basically slow down for and play... Was it well, they your, were blocking the bridge that we were on. Yeah. Like, it was either we got them to move out... I got them to move out of the way and people could run past, or we kind of got stuck and or hurt. So you chose to whip out, what was it, your loot? No, it was my liar. Your liar. Um, and play them a little tune to attract them. and um, but try to Distract them and gather yeah. them closer so that they get left a big enough gap for everyone. But yeah. So, yeah, that was quite fun, that, that session. Um, let's see. Got the Magic and Gold campaign. Uh, let's see, where you've basically been visiting... A uh, kind of druid um, settlement, yeah, settlement kind of village esque type thing, um, and yeah, you've 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 uh, discovered some lore about the world, which must have been very exciting for you. I mean, I think some of it flew over our heads on account of the fact that that there was like a lore download. At the end of the last session. Well, I mean, if it, it was it forgotten law, or was it like in a well-known law? 
Um, I would say that it would be like um, relatively relatively specific law to that kind of area. Um, so more kind of forgotten law rather than universal. Yeah, um, including knowledge about very powerful things. No. I, I am so just, just you know as I heads up, I won't do it. But um, I was trying desperately to make a um, Edgar Allan Poe pun. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's just mm, law. Want to hold a bit my dreary while I pondered weak and weary over a many forgotten <laughs> book of law. Has anyone ever played an Edgar Allan Poe themed kenku? I would imagine so. Yeah, that would make sense. But they've probably so. named uh, the um, the kenku like Quothors. <laughs> I can imagine that being like a you know something that happened like you know when Kenku's were first available to play a race. Um, anyway, so uh, kind of moving on. Um, so you've been playing some of your brother's Mario Maker levels. This is the youngest brother for those trying to follow along. The one that we introduced to Nicholas Cage films. Yeah. So he has uh, basically been making some quite tricky um, levels. Um, I, I feel like you've been a bit of a masochist for going through them. But well, I mean, you soldiered through. What like, you, your can. brother wants me to ta- to tackle them to kind of uh, give feedback and whatnot, uh-huh. and you know, I'm happy to do that. But um, I have to be able to beat them first. Yes, <laughs> which is tricky. Not impossible, but yeah, it will take a fairly long, relatively long time. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's just a shame that basically because it's done uh, as a super world, yeah, which is basically where you kind of create almost like the um, the, the overworld type thing of of like a Mario game and then have your individual levels kind of as kind of points on the map as you're going type thing. Um, and there's kind of, as far as I can tell, there's no way of going, hey, this person's my friend, can I play their uh, super world? Mm-hmm. So when you go into the super world menu, you basically just kind of get given like random people's super worlds to play. And it's just like, is it, is it, there's no like code thing where you can like. Not as far as I could tell. Hmm. Yeah, a bit odd. Because you can do that with individual levels, the whole code thing. Uh, yes, you can input individual levels. You can also um, browse on um, creators' levels. Mm. So if if there's like a create, uh, if you've played a level and you think, oh yeah, that's a brilliant level, you can go uh, via that creator and have a look at their other levels. Okay. But yeah, can't basically jump onto their super world for some reason. I'm not sure why. Hmm. Um, and uh, also, um, now that Star Trek Discovery is back, we have watched yes. the latest episode. Obviously, that's the latest episode for, like, it, <laughs> depending uh, I on when this episode is out. Yeah. Um, the first one after the break. Yeah. yeah. Um, I It was the first one in a while that I found myself paying attention to. Oh, you actually paid attention to it? Yeah, to that one. Oh, interesting. I actually found that one quite interesting. Yeah. Had a couple of uh, little nice bits, uh, like you know, stuff about the changeling. And mm-hmm. That was cute. Uh, I like that. Mm. Um, and like at first, I was I was thinking like you know because I think the term changeling has been used in kind of a, a broader like shape changing sense type way. Like I think it was it a Martha from uh, was it the Undiscovered Country uh, film. 
was yeah. might have been referred to as a changeling, but I'm not 100 percent sure. It's been a while. I think yes, but, um, yeah, not not the same species. No, but I think this one was actually um, uh, like same species as Odo, basically. Yeah, because it had the face. Mm. Yeah. Which is kind of odd because obviously that was based upon Odo not being able to quite, um, you know, mimic solids, as it were. But now it's kind of a trait that the rest of the race, that the rest of um, yeah, but that, 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 that was something they established in DS Nine, wasn't it? Because when yeah. he met other changelings, it was yeah, we're going to look exactly like that as well. <laughs> okay. okay, I suppose, but yeah. Yeah, I suppose they, like, they you, you, know, you can simulate being, you know, a like a carry-on bag or something mm. like that, you know, perfectly. But for some reason, you you can't do noses. Although the other changelings can, they just choose not to and revert to more like an Odo form. Yeah, it's a bit of, bit of an odd one that. Um, yeah, but, uh, I, I like the fact that um, I think uh, Owo got um, more development. Which is good because I think the last time that she had some major development was probably season two, um, going on was it uh, New Eden? Yeah, uh, that's uh, that colony. Yeah. Yes. Strangely enough, I was thinking of that as well. I I would like to know more about these other characters. Mm. And we've got a little bit about Detma, but I think we kind of need to know a bit more. Um. But yeah, then it's like uh, like Bryson stuff as well. Yeah, we we need more characterization on the other characters. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and I kind of generally like the way that it was going in the sense of like you know um, out of Federation jurisdiction. That, yeah. that was you know like a. But so. also to a place where you couldn't just outright go and like attack and stuff because yeah. that would cause you know <laughs> quite yeah. the incident. Um, and we're get, we're getting like um, you know more and more information revealed about what the um, uh, the anomaly is. And um, I have um, a theory <sighs> about what it could be. Is it bunnies? It's not bunnies. Okay. Um, basically, because it, from the sounds of it, it looks like it's kind of a star system on the end uh, near the edge of the accretion disk mm-hmm. um, of the uh, galaxy, um, and I think what's happened is that uh, basically they've almost kind of got Dyson sphere, but the Dyson sphere is actually encompassing. Um, I think it was two other celestial bodies, so two other kind of maybe planets. There was a star at least involved. In yeah. Planets. And I think what has happened is probably they've uh, kind of, uh, kind of obviously used the star as the power source and whatnot. But they go, they need a specific material um, in order to kind of keep their civilization going. And so the, this anomaly is basically kind of traveling um, around the galaxy to try and gather up that element. I mean, that's what they seem to be yeah. saying was what was going on with yes. with it. Anyway, it's mining. That's yeah, exactly, mining. Yeah. But I think it's for that civilization. Okay. It, it, it's one of the the first interesting ones that they've had in a, a little bit, to be honest. 
I'll take you. Eight. Is that because you didn't like to burn? Uh, <laughs> um, it it seems to be an interesting idea that they're going with. Hmm. So yeah. Whereas, uh, yeah, I I have one or two issues with the burn. Which I won't get into again. (laughs) (laughs) I I kind of like the fact that it wasn't, you know, sort of like something more nefarious or anything like that. It was basically like an instant that happened. Yeah, but I... with, With the burn... I think um, I, you know, I get the you know the idea behind it, but I think they should have gone into more sort of um, explanation. One of my pet hits for sci-fi is the because it did, hmm. and whereas I, you know, I've been able to piece together a lot of the you know the idea about the burn, and you know, especially you know articles that have been you know discussing it. And so it's like, you know, that bit sounds fine. This bit sounds bollocks. But, um, yeah, I I would just like, you know, one of the things I've always liked about Star Trek is it makes sense. Mm. You know, you don't have the sort of hand wave, you know, deus ex machina. Yeah. Which in in a lot of the ways they presented the burn, that's what it seemed, you know, a bit like to me. Mm. I mean, I, to be honest, I can kind of understand why people think that but um I, I kind of like the idea that you know this material is basically permeating through subspace uh type thing because obviously that's what you know mm. part of how um the whole thing works um uh, and so yep. basically by shattering uh was it shattering the like dilithium or basically making it resonate at a particular frequency um, caused all of it to explode, but all of it to explode instantaneously. So it wasn't like a trigger that went out. It basically permeated subspace instead, which I found obviously quite interesting. Yeah, but then there there was a delay, which is why they managed to track it down to where it was. Hmm. But but yeah, anyway. Anyway. I, I I like where the, where the season is going. It, it'll be interesting to see where they go after um, last week's mm. episode. Oh, definitely, because like, I mean, I know we've kind of spoiled a whole load of it already. Um, so, whoops, sorry. It's bunnies. But it's yeah, bunnies. I mean, I'm, I'm I wonder what's going to happen with Book. He's going to somehow redeem himself because his his basically yeah in a lot of trouble. I, I do like what they're doing with him because he he's again uh, you know another hit with any fiction is when they just either change a, a character's um, mm. you know traits because they want to do a story with them or they don't make logical sense. Whereas I understand where he's coming from. Mm. You you would be rather annoyed if your homeworld was destroyed and it didn't seem to be for any reason. Yeah, and I mean, his connection to the Federation is like through Burnham anyway. Yeah. So he, he doesn't have like um, a particular fondness for um, Starfleet or Federation. It's just that, you know, he was dating somebody that was a hub their ex. So, anyway, Emily, what have you been up to? 
Okay, so um, I can't remember if I said it in the last episode, but I have a, I need to write a blog post about it, but I've abandoned reading the uh, kind of the uh, Zodiac book, which is like a write-up of one guy's research and collecting of uh, case history around the Zodiac serial killer uh, murder, like sexual non-fiction thing. Um, purely because because he's written it as like an actual case history type thing, um, or did write it like that. Um, it's incredibly dry and boring to read, and is more like a reference document than anything else. So I, I'm, I'm throwing in the time, be like, no, I can't read this. I'm, I'm going to keep the book around for research, but I can't read it for fun. Um, in the meantime, though, I'm now reading um, the novel. Uh, Jonathan Strange and uh, Mr. Norrell by Susanna Clark, um, which is <laughs> far more interesting, but fantasy, well, I say fantasy, it's, it's technically low fantasy. It's like, what is it? Is it, is it technically Regency low fantasy? If that makes sense. With like, but like a precursor to urban fantasy. Hmm. Anyway, it's set in the um, early 1800s, around 1807, um, during the Napoleonic Wars. Um, and uh, magic is a thing, but it hasn't been seen in Britain, really, like actual magic, for like 200 years. And then Mr. Norell arrives and blah, blah, blah. I'm only 150 pages in, um, but I'm enjoying it. However, the book is just over, I think, 1,200 pages long. Chunky one, very chunky. Okay. Yeah, uh, and also happens to be written in the style of a novel from the period, with also interesting spelling choices um, that are kind of on that sort of pre-Latinization kind of uh, spellings that uh, we did have. You know, basically, sometimes it looks more American. Or does sort of, sort of slightly more sort of uh, phonic-based spellings like we used to do before um, a bunch of people decided we'd try to make everything a bit more Latin uh, at the uh, turn of the uh, that sort of the seventeen to eighteen hundred. So, but this basically you've got this guy Mister Norrell, who's like um, he's like the first visible real magician in several hundred years. The Napoleonic Wars going on. And he wants to help with the British efforts in that, um, to, to, to beat the French, to beat Napoleon. Um, when it starts off with like his sort of trial to, um, I say trial, his trials and tribulations in getting recognised that what he can do is real. It's not like tricks of like some dude on a street corner, etc., etc. Like it is actual magic and it could help. And that's kind of, and he's basically proven himself by the point I've got up to and now I'm just waiting to see you know how he succeeds a bit more until I assume some degree of unraveling will begin and also we haven't met Jonathan Strange yet but the book's got like it's in this weird form of third person and it's Mm. got like um like it's quite ominiscent um and uh, I say weird, it's just, it's this kind of ominous third person that was particular to early novels, um, uh, like rather than it being quite limited. Um, 
And yeah, it also has like footnotes for all these um, sort of fictional books quite a lot of the time, all sort of semi actual historical events or historical events reinterpreted through the lens of this world that has magic. Um, and it's quite fun reading those. It, it, the footnotes are then probably added like probably like several hundred pages. What the hell? But they're kind of they. It, it, but the style of them, them being so long and stuff, is like again, uh, quite a few novels from that period, from that you know from the sort of early eighteen hundreds. Like novels didn't become what we're familiar with, really. Um, probably until sort of the late. 1800s, probably more like the um, sort of 1930s to sort of 50s, basically. Like, um, and so the, the the author Susanna Clark seems to be very aware of what she's doing with this kind of stylistic choice. Um, so yeah, if it, it's almost as if like um, it, the length, actually, now that I think about it a bit more, and the style. I don't know, maybe more reminiscent of somebody like Alexander Dumas than uh, Charles Dickens. Maybe. Mm. Um, anyway, so I'm reading that. I also finished listening to the book Imposter by L.J. Ross, which is a, I suppose it's like a crime thrillery type thing. Um, it had plenty of twists, um, including one in the epilogue I was not expecting. Um, like I'd been expecting something to happen, but then the reveal was like, oh my gosh. Um, I will admit the only reason I ended up listening to, uh, uh, her novel is, uh, because I found out that Hugh Dancy had narrated it. He's also narrated the second one in her series, um, which seemed to all focus on this, um, clinical psychologist who also sometimes works as a, uh, criminal profiler. Um, set in the UK area-ish. Well, actually, the first novel, actually, a load of it took place in Aya. Um, and then the second novel starts off, which I've started listening to today, starts off in, like, Paris. But anyway, I finished listening to Imposter. It was actually quite good. Um, and it's nice to just be surprised for once. It doesn't happen that often for me, for fiction. So I really enjoyed that, um, listening to that. Um, but aside from all this literature, which I'm even reading or listening to, um, I managed, I, I, I finished watching a yellow jacket the other week, um, which see, I've, I've, I've seen this listed on Netflix, but I don't really know what it is. It's yellow jackets on Netflix. So basically I watched it on now TV cause it was part of, um, it's a Showtime show, um, and they had it as part. You, of Sky. You, you've got me doubting myself now. Sky I'm pretty Atlanta. sure I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna check my phone now. Everybody was done like talking, but Yellow Jackets is set uh, between the present day and 1996, um, and it's the same characters pretty much between the two, but um, like it is based on like some very traumatic, traumatic, traumatic things happen in 1996. Uh, very, very traumatic. Um, 
Yeah, Yellow Jackets is not on Netflix. No, I've, I've just I've just had yeah. a look at this guy. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't know where's legit to watch it at the moment because when I was watching it, it by the time this episode comes out, I should think it would have gone from Now TV because it had like a, it's going to be gone in like I think I started watching it when it was just over two weeks left um, before it was going to be removed. I mean, it should be back. Usually, what happens with a lot of stuff like that, and it has been. Uh, or a season two has been ordered, um, but spoilers, light-ish. I'm not going to go into the massive details, but it's about a group of girls and women, and then the women they become. Uh, a group of girls who are on a soccer team in high school. Mm. Um, they're going to like I think it was. I don't think it was necessarily um, state finals. I think it might have been nationals. Um, for their team, you know, like they got into like national uh, finals for like school leagues or whatever, varsity leagues, and um, they they're flying. They they decide to fly there in a uh, team member's family's like private jet, and they crash in a mountainous area, um. And basically have to survive out in the wilderness for a very prolonged period of time. Um, and the series follows like that kind of the history of those events happening in '96. Mm. But also then the people that we still know are alive in the present day who were involved in that crash and what their lives are like now. And how they've, like, okay. in theory, maybe tried to pick up the pieces and stuff. And it becomes very clear very soon, very early on in the show, that shit that happened back when they obviously crashed um, back in the 90s uh, didn't go well. And it certainly didn't end well. And that whoever must have survived came through that with quite some damage. Um, and that the fact that they're, like, walking, talking, in the present day is not necessarily a sign that they they are okay by any stretch of the imagination even if they might have family jobs you know lives mm. basically post this horrific event in their teen years so yeah i saw people like um brian fuller of hannibal fame uh, and stuff and uh and Star Trek discovery fame uh and uh kate herring which everyone should go watch because it's charming yes uh, and Kate Heron, who was the director, I'm not sure if she's right, but she certainly directed uh, Loki season one. Um, I saw both of them uh, tweeting loads about Yellow Jackets whilst it was um, airing live, kind of like at the end of last year to the start of this year. Um, so I like watched the first episode over my Christmas break, and then I sort of stopped. And then when I saw that it was going to be coming off now TV, I was like, oh, okay. And so I quickly binged the series knitting and exercise those are really good um it's worth watching um it's it's got a lot of mystery going on a lot of fucked up stuff going on um very showtime very enjoyable uh and then the rest of uh, all i've been doing is kind of gaming um oh wait no there was another tv series new one i just haven't finished watching it yet mm-hmm Jack Reacher on Amazon Prime. No, that that's 
is is that this is that a continuation of the other Jack Reacher? No, series it, it, so that's Jack Ryan. So, oh. the, so Jack Ryan's to do with um, like international sort of um, spooksville and surveillance and counterterrorism, etc., etc., etc. CIA-ish kind of general area analysts, um, and and Jack Reacher is a which is based on Lee Child's, well, this first season, um, The Killing Floor, which was his first Jack Reacher novel, um, yes. is about a guy that's, like, former, I think, Marines, um, who sort of, like, did work on their sort of police side and an investigative side whilst in the Marines, and then it's, like, you know, as he calls it, a hobo um, after he left the forces. Um, and, like, him taking on a case in this small small town in um I think it's Georgia, I wanna say. Um and yeah, um Jack Reacher might be a name that other people are familiar with because Tom Cruise was in um somebody says some like somebody else had been in like one of them, but uh Tom Cruise has certainly been in uh two film adaptations of the novels. Yeah. The first one called Jack Reacher and then the other one like Jack Reacher with like a subtitle or something. Um, I had seen both of those. They are nothing in comparison to this TV series. This TV series okay. really captures what I've seen previously a bit of the novels um, and really captures the character far more. Like Tom Cruise is like tiny, and like in the novels, like it even more so, like the, the 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 difference in musculature and height is a far more drastic situation than what we've got with like having someone like Hugh Jackman step in to be Wolverine. Yeah. So basically Jack Reacher is genuinely meant to be like a brick house, basically. But he's big, he's tough. He he has a soft side to him, but like he's a you wouldn't mess with him, really. He probably could take out a room of like five armed men. Give yeah. him, give him the choice. Give him the chance. The means, the opportunity, like he could do it. Um, uh, unlike when you look at somebody like Cruz and also not fond of talking so yeah so I'm I think episode 6 or 7 in the TV series um, really good just doing a way way better job than um, what the films did like I said I think there's a third film with a different actor that isn't Tom Cruise but I've not watched it so I can't be sure, but I have seen the two Tom Cruise ones and like, yeah, no, the, t- the TV series is infinitely better. However, if you look at the production credits, um, not the credits, sorry, titles at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, one of the companies behind it is um, Skydance Productions. And I think that is one of Cruise's. So I think Cruise, or, or either that, or it's somebody, for, I'm going to look it up now, but I know that they were involved with the... Um, the films. Hmm. I just need to double check this now. It's either it's cruises or um, they just happen to work with cruise a lot and then therefore like Paramount. Uh, Skydance Productions. Skydance Media. Yeah, so they are the ones that produced um, the Jet Reacher films. Um, they work with cruise a lot because they did uh, the Tomorrow War and Terminator Genesis and Terminator Fate. And they're the ones that do Mission Impossible. Who's behind Skydance Productions? 
Ah, it's our old friend, um, one of the uh, sons of uh, Thingy Ellison. Anarchy. Thingy Ellison, um, he founded, uh, his dad founded Oracle. That's that's who's behind Skydance. Um, okay. So, yeah, so it's not a cruise thing, but they have to re- uh, work with Cruise a lot. So, yeah, he's the son of Larry Ellison, who's the um, co founder and chairman of uh, Oracle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, anyway, but yeah, they work with Cruise a lot, Skydance do. Um, so maybe since he, Cruise doesn't get anything from it, but this is, yeah, they've obviously got the rights to reach her um, and reach a deal with Amazon. But it's worth watching. Uh, and then, as I was going to say, I have been gaming, so I've still been playing, so I haven't played any more Pokemon for a minute. Uh, so I got, I have got Pokemon, uh, was it uh, Legends of Arceus? Is that how you pronounce it? I haven't played any more than that for the minute. I got distracted, uh, A, by Death Stranding, and Death Stranding, if you're not trying to do the main story, can get quite relaxing, I want to say. Um, if you're doing... I'm, I'm cocking like, my head at an angle at that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's something about doing, like, just standard deliveries, not main story deliveries, where you're kind of, like, you're just... You end up trotting familiar routes, and there's the opportunity to like to discover more and local areas and stuff mm. in the game. In fact, one thing that happened was because um, I took a different path to what I had done when I played the game originally on PS4. A, I, I discovered this massive mound, um, like natural mound, that was created by I think how do you pronounce it? Is it cryptobiots? which are like these um, little bugs in the game that yep. you can eat to kind of help like restore your body and stuff. Like they help, they help you fight the time fall. They help you stop your body being so badly affected by time fall and fatigue and various things um, and losing blood. Um, and, but there's this towering mound, like as tall as a, like maybe like a British, almost as tall as a two story house. Um, and uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I'd never seen it before, um, and I took like a, I took a photo of it and kind of like, yo, I'd never seen this before. Like it's it was it's if anyone's playing the games, um, if you if you go from the end in the second main area after Lake Not Sit when you've reached Lake Not City, if you're trying to go from the engineer's house to the elders' house. Um, ignore going near the mule camp. If you go to the left of the mule camp and reach near the foot of this hill that you have to go up to get to the elders, you might see this ginormous mound. Um, Kyrobite, cryptobite mound. Like, it's massive. You know, you're not going to miss if it is in your game. Um, and so, yeah, basically I, uh, I, I posted a pic of that. Um, and I got retweeted by, um, Kojima's uh, game studios, like English account, which is quite nice. So I ended up I'd, like posted just before bed, and then I woke up to like fifty likes and like a dozen retweets or something, which is quite cool. But anyway, I've, it's fun doing the standard operations missions as well, though, because you build up reputation and um, sort of regard with all the like 
obviously the little places where you can do deliveries and get deliveries to do. And I can't remember if I, I, can't, I genuinely can't remember if it was a thing in the PS4 version. Um, I was too busy trying to play it for story. So I didn't, I didn't take, I didn't take much time to sort of stop and like look at the scenery as it were. Um, yeah. But I've been trying to get five star ratings with every location that I end up kind of connecting with in the game. Yeah. Um, because basically you can have a relationship with them that's valued up to five stars and it gives you various benefits and stuff. But if you get to five stars with a location, you get given a little silver star to put on your porter uniform. Okay. On the on, on um, Sam's leg. Uh, it's just really cool. Now I've, got, I've now got something like eight stars on his thigh, which means that I've spent a lot of time doing none story missions <laughs> so far in the game. <laughs> oh, bless. Uh, and then at the weekend, because I got it cheap during the January sales, uh, the Control Ultimate Edition on PS5. Uh, at, at, um, and? Uh-huh. So here's the thing. Uh, if, if people might remember that I was very pissed off with uh, Control on the PlayStation 4 when it originally came out because I got it on launch. Um, mm. it's, it's from the same people that did Alan Wake I really like Alan Wake it's got like whole psychic shit going on and lore and blah 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 and weirdness my kind of cup of tea and um, the PS4's loading times and it's difficulty made it like and it's general performance made it really hard to play on PS4 because basically if the game wasn't slowing down too much that you couldn't kill shit fast enough and dodge it you were then dying too much anyway, and then because of the long loading times, and then that dying took a very long time, basically, um, to like get you back to where you were. Um, the PS5 version definitely has massive performance improvement, even even if you enable ray tracing as well. Um, so I'm, I'm, at, I'm finding that I'm actually able to react to things more in time with what's happening in game you know rather than feeling yeah. like i'm reacting several happy you know, like several nanoseconds after something's happened or whatever um i'm actually reacting more in time with what is actually happening um it looks very very pretty obviously uh on 4k tv with ray tracing um and because I genuinely like the story, it was just literally trying to play it. And I know that the game's meant to be hard. And the thing that I didn't realize, uh, and which I did find out uh, when I looked into it after spotting it in the PS5 version, is that sometime, I think last year, I want to say, they, um, or it might have been the year before, but they released a patch that basically put in like a whole load of, ten- not, it's not easy made, but it's game settings that you can turn on that make the game easier to play, like a whole series of settings. You don't have to have all of them on, you could have some of them on or whatever. Um, and basically I've sort of said to myself, I start getting annoyed and you can turn them off and on as well. I, I've decided that if I get too annoyed with the game, like I was when it was on, when I was playing it on PS4, I will point yeah. out this, these set, customizable settings are there on PS4 as well. And uh, now um, they weren't when I originally played. Um, 
and you keep dying a lot, like it's probably going to be worth putting it on. But for me right now, um, because I've got the ability to react a bit better because the performance of the game, even with the graphics turned up, is doing yeah. a lot better. It's less of an issue for me. Like I've died a few times, but it's not been as chronic a problem. Basically, it's it's an interesting one because it's a game I played on Series X, not the Ultimate Edition. Yeah, and I was really enjoying it, and I then went on to um, I think I finished it on the original Xbox One. Yeah, and I didn't seem to experience as many. Like slowdowns or stutters in it, mm. and I'm not quite sure why. You know, well, like, as you as you've been yeah. describing. All I know is on PS4, like it could get painful at times as soon as multiple enemies were engaged, mm. um, and then obviously couple that, like I said, with like the long loading times when you died. Oh God, the yeah, like it was you definitely had the loading times. Yeah, like it it wasn't fun basically so uh, maybe if i'd been playing on like a ps4 pro maybe it would have been so bad probably not but i was playing on like a you know like a slim regular ps4 so um but anyway so i'm you know i'm giving basically i'm giving control haven't got it cheap on the ultimate edition over christmas but well, new year sales uh, i'm giving it another go giving them a try and like i said like because I really, really like the story, so if the mm-hmm. gameplay starts to really piss me off, I will, despite the lamentations that I noticed in the menu when I looked at turning some settings to make it easier, like, literally the game was like, the game wasn't made to, like, it wasn't intended to be played this way, blah, blah, and I'm like... So bollocks to it. Yeah. I, and, you know, I would whole, like to enjoy it, thank you. Yeah, that whole debate about you know hard games and blah blah blah. And it's like right, but you've gone and hidden a story behind something that's hard to play. And to me, like those two things can't be squared away easily. Because like some people do play for story, some people play for challenge. The Venn diagram of people who play for both I feel is perhaps smaller than some publishers and developers realise. Yeah, I I completed that, but I didn't get to the DLC because I didn't buy the mm-hmm. DLC because I found that the DLC was included in the Ultimate Edition. So, you know, why yeah. would I buy the DLC when it doesn't upgrade the you know, the base version? Yeah, yeah. That's so I, I, I plan on going back to it, but yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed the story on it and the world. And, you know, the whole um, sort of 1960s yeah. weird aesthetic of the you know, the place. I, I have also picked up, because it was in the sales as well, um, Alan Wake on PS5. Mm. So I'm probably going to, once I've finished Control, probably do then that playthrough of Alan Wake, because I know that they're meant to have some crossover-ishness a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah, please don't spoil it. There are, yeah. There are things that if you played both. Should I go stop on control for a minute and go play the Alan Wake thing so that's fresh in my mind? It's been a few um, It depends. That in the main game itself, I can't speak to the DLC. 
Uh, there are a few things which, you know, would make specific references to it. Okay. But it, it's not required. You, okay. So I think you'd be, you'd be fine playing through control. Yeah. And then discovering that, you know, when you're playing through Alan Wake. Have, have you played Alan Wake before? Yeah, it's just been a long time. That's back on Yeah, same, same here. I, I played through on 360 on in a more or less original release. But yeah, um, I think it would just add to the Alan Wake experience rather than to the control experience, if you know what okay. I mean. Okay, cool. Yeah, because like, uh, for me, like Alan Wake, that was, so that was during my, it was before this podcast started. So that would have been end of 2011 to start 2012. I played Fallout yeah. New Vegas over Christmas that uh, 2011. Didn't like it. Um, switched to... Well, I completed the main story. Um, ended up playing, I think, Deadly Premonition as a palate cleanser, and I went straight on Final Wake afterwards. It was good times. Um, I, 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 I personally can recommend playing Deadly Premonition and then Alan Wake. Just play them close together, because they have similar shit going on. <laughs> Just from completely different cultural perspectives, it's fantastic. Um, like, definitely actually worth doing. Um, very much, they both had, even because uh, um, Deadly Permission was a long time in production or pre production or whatever, like, they, they kind of they were released in obviously a similar sort of time period of like same couple of years. And I feel yeah. like they very much had like their, their fingers on a certain pulse. And they're actually like they're very different games, but they they are very similar in a lot of ways as well. So, just a side note. Uh, and then I've also because apparently I like playing hard games for some reason at the moment. Um, I picked up. I saw that Deathloop was going cheap, uh, and so I picked up Deathloop on disc. It's actually technically my first disc game, the PS Five disc game. Okay. Um, so everything's been uh, digitals. Sales. Yeah, it was a pain, but installing it I had to. I thought I'd installed it fine, and that, and then we had like a error that came up to do with. I think Paul narrowed it down to something to do with like maybe one of the updates hadn't installed properly or something, yeah. but basically had to delete all the files um, after trying to do initial install, and then get it to basically mm. recopy again, and then obviously reapply, download, and reapply updates again before I could get it to work which was annoying, which is why I actually ended up playing Control, because originally I thought I had it all set up. And I went to try and play it, and it had this error message keep coming up. And I was like, fuck's sake. And so, goes, no. Yeah. Okay. I was like, uh, right, fine. I will delete you and get you to recopy and do updates, and I'll go and play something that is installed. And I uh, ended up starting a new game of Control, basically. Um, but anyway, actually played Deathloop once I got into it, which after like recopying and doing updates that one time, it worked. Um, unlike, there was an article that I saw came out uh, earlier this week, and it said um, something like, oh, so many people, like a, a huge percentage of people who've played Deathloop haven't got past the tutorial. Uh, or something okay. like the tutorial stage. Like Deathloop, I just, I need to look now. Deathloop, um, not past tutorial i saw a headline 
Uh, I need to see if I can find it. Uh, it was a knee story. Like, let's have a look. Does anyone have it on Nebs? Uh, uh, I think it was in relation to Sophie um, that it kind of got mentioned. Um, but yeah, certainly there was a huge percentage of people who've played Deathloop who haven't got past the sort of tutorial stage. Um, I died twice during it and then kind of realized a bit more about what the game was trying to get me to do and got through it. Um, yeah. so far I've done, I've just gone through, let me think about this, I want to say three areas as I progress through the game. I have died a few times, but not that many. I think what I've found, at least for me, is working has been sneaky sneaky. Like, I'm basically playing the game a very similar way to what I played Dishonored. Um, yeah. Back when that came out. Um, because, like, when I played Dishonored originally for like, the first time, I got, like, the super stealthy achievements for that as well. Um, pretty much naturally from play- just playing the game in a very high stealth way. Um, and I'm finding with Deathloop uh, that that is the way. For those wondering, um, you're the, the you have you have there are two campaigns you can play through, um, but you have to complete one before you can play the other. And the first one you have to you can play as um, this guy called Colt, and uh, he is there to break a the loop, um, which is a time loop of sorts. Um, and basically, every time he dies. He loops back to the start of a particular day on this island of weirdness with a lot of people with a lot of guns. Um, uh, with an antagonist in his ear who um, must have had close... I mean, I'm not far enough into the game to say anything, but had some form of relationship with prior to everything going to shit. Um, but it's kind of got this weird mix between kind of like sci-fi and like 70s action romper. It's interesting. Um, and then you can play, if I assume if you complete Colt's story, you can play from the other side, who is this antagonist in his ear, uh, Juliana. Yeah. So... It's gonna be interesting. I haven't gone out of my way to like find everything in every level. I think you have to be super confident about your skills to go hunting down for a thing because basically encountering enemy characters in the game can quickly end up with you dying and resetting, obviously, uh, back to uh, where you started, which is not helpful because then you have to go get equipment and stuff again. So yeah. So I'm really enjoying Deathloop of the three main levels that I've played so far. Um, sneaky Sneak. It, it's it's a, a game that I've got my eye on, but I'm not sure about it being the price it is. If you know so what I, I mean. It, it, I, I, I'm just not entirely sure. Yeah, I managed to get it for just over 20 quid last week. Mm. Okay, yeah, that, yeah, that's good though. Yeah, so I was, I was pretty happy with that. Um, but yeah, um, 
I think it, it's you could try going in all guns blazing, maybe at certain points. But uh, no, I'm, I'm finding finding high places and covered places and ways to sneak past enemies is better. It's a better use of my time than trying to kill them all the time. So yeah, Retroid, what have you been up to? Well, I have mostly been bubble fetting. Oh yes, you and half the internet it feels like. I mean, that's just my Twitter. Yeah, um, I had to start watching it a little bit early because people were accidentally spoiling me. Which was, it's, it's you know, well, yeah, it's, it's your typical sort of, you know, issue with this kind of um, series. But, um, yeah, uh, decided to, you know, sit down and, you know, catch up, even though we were going to have to wait a few days for the final episode. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, for those not in the know, uh, Boba Fett is a character who you see uh, for a few minutes, if that, in the original Star Wars trilogy. He's got yeah. the cool green armor. And he's the one that um, Luke um, lightsabers into the um, the Sarlacc pit uh, um, on uh, Jabba's prison barge in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> and part, it's, it's been kind of part of a running joke because it, you know, there was this huge, oh yeah, he's such a badass character. It's like, yeah, but there was absolutely sod all of him in the original Star Wars movies. He just looked cool. There's, was there much, do you know if there was much done previously with like Star Wars Extended Universe, like in the novels and stuff, prior to obviously the Disney I, uh, to be honest, I don't know. Um, Not in any of the Star Wars novels I read. Okay. Um, But his role was expanded on in the prequels, where it turned out that um, his father, Jango Fett, was the original template that the the clones were derived from. Mm, Yes, I remember that. Yeah. And of course, you see Boba Fett in the original prequels, where he is just a young boy and eventually finds his, um, you know, father's um, decapitated helmet. In um, I think it's Attack of the Clones. Okay. After you know part of the, you know, Order sixty six and you know the uh, the Jedi being killed off. So what what's happened here is. He survives the Sarlacc pit because of his uh, Mandalorian armor. He is not Mandalorian, as the you know the whole thing goes into. Um, but he's got Mandalorian armor, and it's uh, Baskar metal, which is you know it, it can withstand uh, blaster shots and even lightsabers. But so he he's um, manages to climb out of the Sarlacc pit. Right. He was discovered by uh, the Sand People, who you may remember from you know the original. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and they are expanded on in kind of a um, a nice way that Dave Filoni and John Favreau have with uh, several of their other Star Wars series. Most of them animated at this point, like the Bad Batch. Uh, um, do we anyway. Talk about that? 
But yeah, um, he's he's rescued by the Sand People, who are just using him as you know, more or less just you know a captive. And he manages to gain their trust, and this is part of the arc of the character that is uh, you know told mainly in a flashback. Mm. Usually, when he's he's in the Bacta tank, which is you know kind of their medi bed. And it, it's it's the whole thing I've expanded on. What you see Luke in um, when he's submerged and wearing the breather when they discover him on Hoth, frozen. Yeah. yeah. So he decides he's on Tatooine anyway because that's where the you know the Salak pit was. Um, Bib Fortuna, who's the uh, the Twilak with the big. Um, you know, head tentacles. Mm. They, they actually have a canon name in the Star Wars universe, but I can't remember what they are not right now. Um, he sort of, you know, takes out Bib Fortuna and decides to set him himself up as the, um, you know, the gang warlord in ta- you know, on Tatooine. Okay. And as you may imagine, there are certain factions in the the wake of. Uh, those gangs being wiped out. <laughs> and, you know, the huts leaving. That, um, you know, kind of take issue with this. And, yeah, um, I won't spoil it, but... Can't, it, can't we all just fu- get along? <laughs> yeah, yeah, can't we all just get along? Can't we just be, you know, a nice, friendly, there's a new neighbourhood warlord. <laughs> everyone pay their tributes. Everyone gets along. Everyone wins, but no... That's not the world we live in in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. And, yeah, I, I think it does a very good uh, job of in expanding a little bit on Tatooine. Um, Dave Filoni and John Favreau uh, bringing a few of the other things that they've um, explored in you know the other Star Wars series, like um, a species called the Pike. And oh. they're a sort of a drug running cartel and they're trying to expand their trade onto Tatooine and um Boba Fett doesn't really like that. So gets into a um you know a few scripts. Um there's uh there's been some discussion online about the you know the pacing of it because um they say the first, you know, episode or two, there's not enough action. Right. And it's 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 kind of called world building. Have you heard yeah. of that? It's quite good, isn't it? it, it you know, it, you get more investment when you go into a series and instead of just saying, this is Moss Isley and this is Moss Esper, these, you know, these are the places and there are gangs, you get a bit of um, colour, you get a bit of substance to, you know, the things that are going on. There's more, and you get a little bit more invested. And um, I'm, I'm trying very hard not to, you know, spoil anything in it. But yeah, it, it, it's basically, it's Boba Fett, uh, this um, bounty hunter who was introduced in, I think it was Clone Wars or um, Bad Watch, but he... She was also in the first season of The Mandalorian. Okay. 
and um, Boba Fett rescues her. Fennec Shand, played by Ming-Na Wen, who's awesome. And they can so uh, it's it's those two, and they're trying to you know build up the well you know can we talk to the mayor and here are the people that you know is supposed to be paying tribute and you know blah 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 and getting into scripts with the power structures there because it's you know please you know Boba Fett is in charge now you can just accept it and they don't and yeah it just it fleshes out the character because he's he's decided that it's like yeah a bounty hunter and so's Fennec Shand and they both decide that well the the people they work for are idiots and they keep getting them into trouble so they decided that they're going to be in charge now hmm. and yeah it's it, it, it's rather good uh Two of the later episodes are kind. They kind of act as Mandalorian episodes. So if you've seen any of that, um, I don't know if you two have. We are. Uh, n- we have not watched any uh, Star Trek. Not Star Trek. Sorry, <laughs> Star Wars. How dare you? <laughs> Star Wars God, related. Yeah. Star Wars related uh, shows on Disney Plus. We are. We are. Yeah, we can't mix do. up Star Trek and Star it's, Wars. Come on, we're, it's like five to eleven, like at night. <laughs> like, please, I was up at half six. Um, okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, uh, and I haven't, I haven't had a nap. Uh, so <laughs> 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 caffeine was a lot. Yeah, so you, you, you haven't, oh, honestly. I'm going to, I'm going to be positive about it and say that that this means you've got. Um, two season, seasons of uh, Mandalorian and um, this season of uh, Boba Fett to catch uh, up with when you choose and, and also Bad Batch, apparently. Yes. You <laughs> should watch Bad Batch because it is good. Okay. It also has several um, several other characters, like Fennec Shand was uh, you know, um, in the original animated um, you know, Star Wars that uh, you know, these two were working on. And um, so was a bounty hunter who's introduced um, late on in Boba Fett, uh, Cad Bane, who has a history with Boba Fett because he was he was kind of his mentor. There are clashes, and you know, with Django Fett being a bounty hunter, Cad Bane is a bounty hunter. So it would make sense that, uh, you know, Boba Fett would be, you know, wanting to follow in his sort of clone father's Mm. footsteps. But there's a whole lot going on there. But you do not need to have seen Bad Batch or Clone Wars for these. Um, They seem to be sticking to the... They're introducing characters that they, you know, created themselves in their series. But they they have their own explanations of you know and origins, so they're not retold, but they you know you're kind of given enough for the characters to, you know to understand who they are and what their motivations are. Okay. It's just you know if you then go and you know if you've watched the animated series, you you get more out of that. But but yeah, you definitely need to have seen Mandalorian for um, two episodes of. 
well, actually three. But there are there's uh, two episodes of Boba Fett where Boba Fett is not actually in it, and it basically follows um, the latest uh, you know goings on with the Mandalorian, who also wears Mandalorian armor, and he's got his own thing. But um, it it follows some of the um, you know things that have been going on, which they need to tie in. Okay. I, th- I think if they were running two Star Wars series simultaneously and they could have had the Mandalorian and, you know, Boba Fett at the same time, then those episodes could have been explored in Mandalorian instead. But it, it's kind of, these are additional things and this is what's going on. And also, bonus, you get to see Luke again. Which... I was spoiled on, but it's it's all over the internet now. So you know, yeah. Luke is in you know Boba Fett, but you know, not as a main character. He he is there, and they seem to be doing their best to keep the look of Luke from Empire and Return of the Jedi. Okay. So it it is good. I am not going to spoil the story. It is. Um, relatively self-contained when it comes to live action. Uh, definitely when it comes from, you know, um, animated. But it's, yeah, it's... I think with them doing so many Star Wars things, and they're putting, you know, flesh on bones, they're doing... Dave Filoni and John Favreau um, are doing a very good job. I've seen a few where it's, oh, they're, you know, they're saving Star Wars after the, you know, the sequel movies. And yes, they are far more in tune with what Star Wars is than, say, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> it's not that difficult, to be honest. But yeah. yeah, they're doing a very good job. I'm very pleased with it, and I'm pleased with the characters that they're bringing in, and I'm pleased with where it's going. And when it comes to a lot of the whinging and complaining I've seen about this season of Boba Fett, uh, it's, it's, yeah, no, I think a lot of it is either because people don't understand the bloody narrative, which we've seen countless times before when discussing various of the series. It's not ex- an exclusive problem to Star Wars. It's when people don't understand that you set things up for them to pay off later on. But yeah. Yeah. It, it is good, and I would recommend it. And yeah, go and watch Mandalorian. <laughs> go and watch Boba Fett. So yeah, you need to see have seen Mandalorian uh, seasons one and two for the proper timeline to tie in with uh, Mandalorian appearing in uh, this season, you know, first season of Boba Fett. So it will all make sense. Noted. Right. What else I've been doing? Um, I have. Um, I have lost my list. That's good, isn't it? I, I've got this written down for you. I could tell you what you've apparently been up to. I fell too far down the Boba Fett hole. Or you could say the Sarlacc pit. Uh-huh. I, I give you a hint. It means a P. Ah, yes. Now, uh, have you seen the second Suicide Squad movie? Yes. Now, um, I don't follow wrestling at all. 
But John Cena plays the character of Peacemaker, who, you know, the bell end with the shiny helmet. Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a phrase for Nerds After Dark right, right away. But yeah. <laughs> he, he plays an absolute arsehole in the movie. Yeah, and no, no, no argument there that is and when I found out that they were making a series based on the character, it was... But I can't see how that would work. I just don't quite get that. How, you know, how would that work? But uh, James Gunn of Suicide, the second Suicide Squad and, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy. Hmm. Um, I think he's written all the episodes I've seen of it so far. And he's directed quite a few as well, so he's he's clearly quite invested in the you know the character and the, you know the making of the series. And it is surprisingly good. I honestly would not have expected to enjoy a series based on this man. Um, the the gist of it is, you know, well, you know, the whole gist of you know Suicide Squad is that there are various people who have um, either you know, technology or knowledge or you know, superhero abilities who are just terrible people. And they're the ones who, you know, end up, they're not so much supervillains or, you know, or some of them may th- even think they're superheroes, but they're just so amoral <laughs> and sociopathic about the way they do things, then they're, they're not A-list, put it that way. Yeah. But they can be useful when they're put to dealing with the weird sort of superhero issues that might crop up. And, you know, hence the whole idea was, you know, Suicide Squad. But with this, it follows uh, the character of Peacemaker, who, yeah, he's living in a trailer park. That's that's great. Unassuming start um, origins. Yeah, and um, you, you meet his father, who's just a raging racist, mm. played by Robert Patrick of Terminator Two film. Uh, okay. Yeah, which is it's like okay, and my god, you've aged. I mean, quite a lot, but yeah. Um, and Peacemaker is contracted out to this uh, small group who are pursuing um, codename um, is it butterflies I think they're called in the series but yeah the, these um, creatures with super abilities who are pretending to be um, humans and uh yeah, the first episode, as an example, goes um, incredibly well because he's he's not you know he's trying to um, you know prove that he is a hero to this you know this squad that he's with, and they're all kind of you know backroom staff, you know kind of you know the whole idea, and they're just he's, well, you're an asshole, but you do have a pet eagle who is your best friend which is simultaneously the best thing ever and also one of the saddest things that an eagle is your best friend. (laughs) And he gets himself laid and it ends up that uh, the particular um, you know, woman that he picks up at the bar 
because he first of all he was picking up um uh one of the agents and she's not having any of it it's like no this isn't happening it's like you know give up no way so yeah he picks up a woman at a bar and while he's appreciating um her music collection because she's got a lot of cool music on vinyl that he approves of um a massive fight breaks out yeah they're called butterflies okay and in in the style of uh, the suicide squad movies uh it's it's quite bloody but you, you, you kind of have to continue with that theme if you're going to make a spin-off series. Yeah, it, it, it is kind of weird to be watching a superhero series with so many uses of um, the word motherfucker. Oh, did, did you watch The Boys? Yes, I did. But yeah. I, I kind of count that as a sort of an indie... Uh, I suppose. It's sort of, an, sort of an indie comic approach to the whole superheroes thing. But yeah, this this is kind of in the same thing. Except of course one of the main characters is he you know is a superhero, but he is such a fucking awful superhero, just uh he, he John Cena is very good at playing total douches. <laughs> but yeah, we're about five episodes in now and um it's really quite good. Neither because I, you know, I thought oh, I'm not sure about this, but um, I saw the intro sequence, which is a dance, which is a quite unique dance number um, on Twitter, and I thought, okay, I'll give it a go because I like um, James Gunn stuff and I like Suicide Squad, and it's like, okay, you know, try it, and we watched. Well, the first episode, and we think we like this, and then by the second episode, it's like, yeah, we like this. <laughs> so, yeah, he he is to watching more. Unfortunately, with it being a DC series, I am not sure where you would watch it legitimately in the UK. Mm-hmm. So I... it, is, it it is sadly our mutual friend Dave Internet. Uh, I mean, was it Doom Patrol? We use VHS copies. Yeah, because like Doom Patrol's on, which was DC as well, but random. That is that on? I think I want to say Stars on Amazon. Yes, that is on Stars via Amazon Prime, which is an add-on subscription. Yeah. And so, genuinely, there's not nowhere near enough on Stars for me to even consider adding it as a subscription. Apart from for series like this, it's like maybe you know if you can add it for a month and then watch you know the two seasons of Doom Patrol, which is very good. But it's it's like you know two for two when it comes to the mature quote unquote uh, you know DC comic adaptations, Peacemaker and Doom Patrol. So far, I'm very impressed. They are both my um, my favorites when it comes to. Um, superhero slash sci-fi slash whatever you want to call it because it's a weird genre, isn't it? Yeah, there's, there's yeah. no escaping that. It is kind of weird. Yeah, it it's got a few background characters as well from the uh, second Suicide uh, Squad movie, and in fact, it starts with a flashback from that with the you know where the the backroom staff decide to um, help the Suicide Squad. Yes. 
so to basically take matters yeah, against the, um, the the project starfish as they call it yeah. it's called project starfish because it's a giant alien starfish yes and that is commented on that they don't, ha- you know, they don't have much imagination. And in fact, when he's uh, when Peacemaker is told that um, he's, you know, going to be facing things called butterflies, he's going, "Oh wait, am I going to be fighting Mothra?" <laughs> and he goes off on a whole tangent about that and going, "You're not fighting Mothra. Mothra is not real." Was he disappointed that Mothra wasn't real? Yeah, he, he, he's very disappointed that Mothra isn't real. Okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm I'm still you know that's ongoing as a series, but I you know heartily recommend it. Where are you watching that, by the way? Dave Internet. Ah, okay. Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't sure whether it had been released um, on one, one of the many streaming platforms. Well, that as I put it out, like it could be something that Stars might have, but I, my ah, phone's yeah. not cooperating enough for me to look up to see if that's. Case. Yeah, it's a, I, it, it's one of those series where um, it's like if Doom Patrol is released on Blu-ray, within a heartbeat, I will you know have that because I just really like what they're doing with it. And so far, the same with Peacemaker. Okay. So I would you know please, with no fuckery, make these somehow available for us to watch in the UK, legitimately. Thank you very much. Because I I dread to think how much they're hurting the chances of these series because it's not like when you would have stuff that you know that was bought up by Sky. Yeah. At least there are millions of people who are subscribed to Sky TV in the UK and in Ireland and around Europe as well, because you know there are lots of expats. Is so that- Fragmentation situation. Yeah, it's a fragmentation. It's it's just the. I would love to know, and probably would also cry at the number of people who have watched Doom Patrol in the UK, legitimately through Amazon Prime, and adding on the you know the Stars subscription, mm-hmm. because I would say maybe it's in the tens of thousands, and that to me is a sad state of affairs. Too much fragmentation. Yeah, and um, my final thing, because yeah, I'm I'm aware that I've rabbited, is I'll just mention um, of course the Expanse. Oh yes, uh, finished on Amazon Prime. Fin- watch it. Finished, finished. Yeah, fin- apparently yeah. finished, finished. Okay. A final season, and um, having watched it, that can't be where they're leaving it. I mean, I thought that about Prodigal Son season two, but here we are with Fox making very bad fucking decisions, even worse than what NBC made with Hannibal, because at least that was a sort of ending. (sighs) Fox, Uh, Fox has got a lot of form on that. This is true. But yeah, with the expanse, what um, they dis- they were concentrating rather specifically um, on the Marco Inaros Belter rebellion, kind in you know, a quote unquote, where he decides that he represents the belt and um, he's slinging giant stealth covered, you know, stealth paint covered rocks at 
Earth and Mars. And it, it, it does finish off that story. But you're left... It, it has these glimpses at the start of each episode of life on um, one of the uh, the ring colonies. Since you know, since the rings opened up, and um, you know, get to um, you know hundreds, if not thousands, of other star systems through these, you know, these rings. Okay. And it, you have a few minutes of each episode, you know, uh, telling a story with a little girl who's you know living on this colony, and you know some of the weird stuff which is starting to happen. And that doesn't really go anywhere. At least not to a satisfactory degree, because it's the colony that uh, they're trying to um, hijack, well, reclaim an alien ship, which is not you know, been built by the ring builders, but you know, by um, other aliens. And it's kind of addressed... With you know some of the weird shit that's going on, but I it it's nowhere near a full stop. It's just there are things happening and there are things starting to happen and things continuing to happen, and then the season ends. What? <laughs> so then, to me, there must be, um, you know, either another series or um, you know, movies planned, but because it's just I. You would take movies because that's a bit like um, it sounds almost a little bit like what happened with the end of like Farscape before the Peacekeeper Wars. Yeah, was it? It's just that you know they they chose to you know finish off the you know the soul system story kind of, and that to me was always it, it was interesting. It was cool, but it. That wasn't the main reason I was watching The Expanse. The main reason I was watching The Expanse was the weird protomolecule shit that was going on. And that's just left hanging. Mm. So I would love to know what's going on without, you know, why they decided that was the, you know, the end of the series, whether they plan on anything more because I've not heard anything. But it, it was just weirdly, I don't want to say anticlimactic because you know th- some things were so, you know very definitely topped off, but other elements were just oh I'm not sure what you're doing there. So uh, I was you yeah, very mixed feelings with that. Yeah, not just a um, oh that was bad. But it it was good, but also there's the feeling that there's another half out there. It feels weird that they've chosen to end it if it is ended properly. Like I say, properly to their eye, ended properly like that. Because mm. if there was one sci-fi show that wasn't Star Trek or Star Wars related that I've seen people talk about in the last couple of years, it online it has been the Expanse. Yeah. But it comes up a lot, even from people that I wouldn't expect to actually necessarily indulge in space sci-fi. 
So to hear that it's ended in that way seems kind of off, for sure. I I will say it's in no way a Game of Thrones situation. That that's reassuring. Yeah, um, in in that there are large strands of it that have been concluded properly. Mm. Whereas Game of Thrones was he's not written this bit, so you've just got a general sense of what you can and can't do and you just do that. Mm-mm. Yeah, with yeah. It's yeah, I'm I'm I am definitely of mixed feelings with this. But I am I'm awaiting more because I just don't think that could be it. Let's hope there's going to be a little bit more, even if it's just like a like a almost a TV movie or something. I would I would say it would have to be a few, but yeah. Mm. Okay, um, gentlemen, I think that's all we've got time for this week. I'm so we to agree. <laughs> <laughs> so it is a uh, good night from. It's good night from me, Paul Wood. I'm Retroid on Eurogamer.net and Super Retroid on Twitter. It's good night from me, Paul Blute. I'm on Twitter's at Paul Blute. It's good night from me, Emily King. I'm on Twitter at EMKingMA. You can find notes for this episode over at www.nerdassemble.co.uk. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Nerds Podcast. We're also on Facebook as Nerds Assemble Podcast. You can find us on the whole smorgasbord of podcast players from Stitcher to Apple Podcasts to Amazon Music and Pocket Casts and some others that I've forgotten. Um, yeah, that, that, that's it all. Uh, so, uh, good night. Good night. Good night. Please let us into your ears. <laughs> I know there's going to be hair in there. There's always going to be hair in there. This is a question of how fine or not fine it is. Hairy ears. But you all have hairy ear needs. I mean, technically speaking, the, the hairs and the ears are kind of important for listening and yes. you know, hearing stuff. If you damage them, then I'm, your hearing worsens. And balance. Mmm.